Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. This is the Awesomers.com podcast, episode number 29. That's episode number 29. And to find all of the show notes, just go to awesomers.com slash 29. That's awesomers.com backslash 29. Now, today, my special guest is Nathan Hirsch, and he's a great entrepreneur who's really, really helping solve one of the biggest problems that we find today when we're building any kind of company, e-commerce companies in particular, and that is finding people, right? The old uh, saying is, it's hard to find good people. Well, now it's easy to find good people. Nate is in charge of a company called freeup.com with three E's, by the way, and we have special links in the show notes page. And he's the co-founder and CEO of that particular company, which is a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted freelancers in e-commerce, digital marketing, and so much more. Nate has sold over $30 million online and regularly appears on leading business podcasts around the world. He's certainly an expert in this category and offers a wonderful and highly necessary service for e-commerce guys like me. And we have personally used uh, Nate for a couple of our different businesses. And it's, it's an experience that is unique and interesting and affordable. And you get access to really high degrees of talent really fast. So I'm super excited to kind of dive in here in this Awesomers Authority episode. That's on awesomers.com episode number 29. Okay, Awesomers, welcome back. Uh, here we are on the Awesomers.com podcast yet again. And uh, today we have a special guest, uh, Nathan Hirsch. Uh, Nathan, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, do you prefer Nate or Nathan? <laughs> Either one's fine. It's funny. I used to be called Nate, but my, my girlfriend started calling me Nathan again. So now everyone calls me Nathan. It's funny. I've, I've gone between Steve and Steven back and forth based on who's calling me what uh, over time too. Usually it was my mother. Steven, get over here. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, okay, well, I may just go between them then. But uh, so, uh, Nate, uh, I know a little bit about your background, a little bit about uh, the company that you have, but maybe tell us a little bit about uh, your company, FreeUp. And then I want to talk, talk a little bit about your origin story just for a minute. Yeah, so FreeUp is a marketplace where we get hundreds of freelancers, applica- applicants every week. We vet them for, sky- for skill, attitude, communication. We take the top 1%, we let them in. And then we make them available to you guys rapid fire whenever you need them. On the back end, we offer 24-7 support in case you have even the smallest issue and a no turnover guarantee. If they quit for any reason, we cover all replacement costs. So it's all about the pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service, and that protection. 
Yeah, that is a, a very concise uh, description of a extraordinary service. So uh, I want to let Osterbers know out there, you know, often we talk about this idea of, you know, strategy systems or scale and scale is something that I believe in uh, comes from the systems being deployed by people. It takes people to scale. You can't scale on your own. That, that's the opposite of scale, actually. And uh, I definitely think that FreeUp is a really um, intriguing tactic to take. In fact, a lot of people call it a hack, right? It's so cool and so easy that it feels like a hack, but really it's a long-term sustainable business practice. Don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I really built it based on my own needs. I got thrown into the entrepreneurial world at a very young age. I started an Amazon business out of my college dorm room. I started off buying and selling textbooks, eventually found the niche industry of baby products. I was running a, a multi-million dollar Amazon baby product business out of my college dorm room as a 20-year-old single guy, if you can imagine that. <laughs> and with that craziness that came with being an entrepreneur, I quickly realized I had to start hiring people. I had so much to do. I was running out of hours in the day, not to mention all the stuff I was balancing on the side from the girlfriend, the social life, the, the college, the schoolwork, everything that goes with it. So hiring people was a necessity. I couldn't go to the college kids around me. I quickly realized they were unreliable. And no 30-year-old marketing expert wanted to work for me anyway. So I really had to rely on the, this remote hiring world, the gig economy, which is booming right now. And once I started hiring people and getting VAs and freelancer experts, I, all of a sudden my time went from expanding my business to interview after interview after interview. And I always just wanted a faster way to get access to that talent that I so desperately needed. And when I couldn't find that, I built it myself. And that's what FreeUp is. It's based on my own needs my own problem that I had back in the day. Yeah, and Awesomers, just for your reference, uh, we're going to have, uh, as always, in the show notes, some links and things uh, for you to be able to follow up on this. Make sure you get to the right information at the right time and, and get linked over to FreeUp. But the, the interesting thing that I want to point out to people is that we undervalue our own time uh, as entrepreneurs often, right? Where we say, uh, I need somebody to do this job, but I will spend all, all kinds of time delaying that hire or uh, maybe going through the hiring process so so carefully that we either, so two things happen in my experience. I, I love your input on this. Either we hire the first person that has a pulse because we just simply can't take it anymore, that's abdication, or we put ourselves through a long, exhaustive process that is also a thankless and the results are you know hit and miss at, at the end of that. Do you see that same scenario? Definitely. I mean, hiring is tough. It's one of those things that they don't teach you in school. And on the flip side, they're constantly teaching people how to do better at interviews, how to be a, a better at answering interview questions, which just makes it harder on the person hiring to weed through people who might not be the best fit. So hiring is one of those things when you make a great hire, you want to hold on to them, but it can take you a long time to find that person. And for us, it's all about time. It's all about speed. We know that the average business owner doesn't have two weeks to find a graphic designer. They need that person today. And anything that we can do to reduce the time needed, we know will help that person grow their business. Yeah, I, I tell you, again, people undervalue time. Uh, it's the only thing you can't buy. So let's, uh, let's spend it wisely. So uh, the, let's back up for a second, uh, Nate, and just talk about, you know, you, t you mentioned the, the college uh, kid in the dorm and, and all of this. What, what made you decide to even try your hand at an entrepreneurial business to begin with? So my parents were both teachers, and to put it in perspective, I went to I went to school in a very rich town, the town next to me, the town that my dad taught at. 
the town that I lived in, we weren't poor, we weren't broke, but my parents were teachers. We had a, a very average childhood. Where, But I went to school with kids that had everything. So from a young age, I always wanted more. And during the summer, my parents had me work these 40, 50-hour week jobs or internships. Well, all my friends were outside playing and having fun. And I hated it. I hated it more than anything. I was just watching the clock every day. But I learned so much from these internships, from sales to customer service to managing people and communication that when I got to college, I, I kind of looked at it as, hey, I have a, a ticking clock here. I got four years to start a business. If I don't, I'm going to have to get a real job and work for, and doing something I hate for the next 50 years. So I took all the skills that I had learned from those internships, and I really built the Amazon business based on the customer service, based on the sales to get relationships with new manufacturers, based on the managing people once I started hiring people, all those skills that I had picked up. But it all comes back to being forced to have a job that I hated back in the day that turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to me. Well, I tell you, it's a, uh, it's a classic awesomer story to, to have somebody Instead of, uh, you know, kind of seeing the, the inevitable, which is, you know, finding yourself in a cubicle for the next uh, 50 years, you decided to uh, solve, uh, solve for X and eliminate that, that potential. Uh, I, I think it's a, a terrific story. And I, I really enjoy the fact that, you know, you were able to take the lessons learned in those internships, right, which is, you know, kind of like uh, intellectual equity and apply them into your new business. That was uh, probably the largest part of your investment early on. Yeah, I mean, it all really comes down to customer service. The customer service training that I got at Firestone Corporation was unbelievable. And we always hear that mentality that the customer is always right. That's not necessarily true, but it's in your best interest to keep people coming back and put people in position where they don't feel like they're screwed over. And just the way that you talk to people, the way that you interact, the way that you fix issues, the speed in which you fix them, the way that you put people ahead, not behind when something is your responsibility and your mistake. That's all stuff that really resonates with me because, I mean, these are real people. We bill over 1,300 hours every week, and my phone number is right on the top of the website, and I spend very little time dealing with freelancer issues, but they will happen here or there. Even if I get the best freelancers in the world, they're not going to be the best fit for every single client in the world. So when issues do come up, and they're usually very small, we fix them quickly. We make it right with both sides and we move on so everyone can focus on bigger and better things. And I think that kind of mentality has really helped me. Boy, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, a common thing that I've seen in my, uh, now uh, this is my 30th year as an entrepreneur, is that often people will procrastinate what they don't want to deal with, right? They put it off, they put it off, I'll get to it later today or tomorrow or whenever, and they hope kind of it, that it never comes. Whereas if they would just take that proactive approach and go, you know what? I don't like this. I don't want anything to do with it. Let's solve it as quick as I can and have it behind me. That makes everybody's life better, including uh, any potential person who's not exactly a fit, right? And my view is that if you have somebody in the organization who's not a fit for whatever reason, your fault, their fault doesn't matter, help them move on. Don't, don't keep them stuck in a place that nobody's happy with, right? Exactly. And it's very similar. I have a team of VAs. I have about 30 of them. And it's very similar to that mindset that I get in there right from the beginning. And it's all about, hey, let's take initiative. Let's get stuff done. Let's move quickly. When, when you see a problem, let's just start with the basic problem solving skills. Gather all the information. Look at the options. Come up with a solution. Execute it. Put steps in place so it doesn't happen again. And getting that mentality of taking ownership, taking control, and getting stuff done quickly and valuing the time of everyone else around you. That's what good customer service is about. 
Boy, quite right. I definitely agree with your philosophy. So let, let's take a um, what I would consider a common problem that, that entrepreneurs have. Um, and, and particularly, we'll, we'll focus on like an e-commerce guy who's selling on Amazon. What's the number one hire that you think that they should make based on your own experience or recommendations, whatever you have? Yeah, so that's an impossible question. Every, every business is different. The, the way that I like to look at it is there, there's three different levels of hiring. There's the basic level, which is non-US, five to 10 bucks an hour. These are people that are there to follow your systems, your processes. If you don't have them in place, you really can't use those five to $10 an hour freelancers. Then you got the mid-level, the 10 to 30. They could be graphic designers, Amazon listers, bookkeepers. You're not teaching them how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. They're specialists. They're there to do a specific job. And then there's expert level, the 25 and up. They can come in, audit your whole business or parts of your Amazon account, come up with a game plan, console, execute it, create those systems and processes. So what you need to figure out as a business owner is do you need a follower, someone to plug into that day-to-day? Do you need a doer? Are you just loaded with projects that you need to get taken off your plate? Or do you need an expert? Are you trying something new that maybe you've never done before or something that you need guidance and you need that expert to come in and take a look at what you're doing? And I think that's where most people go wrong. They're hiring the wrong level and they're, they're thinking, hey, I can hire this basic level person to consult me or, hey, let's hire this mid-level person and plug them into a day-to-day job. And, and that's when you see the, a lot of wasted time and energy over bad hires that could just be good if they use the people correctly. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, this is Parsimony ERP, and we get one question over and over. Can you please tell me exactly what Parsimony does? Well, we'll try, but this is only a 30-second spot, so we're going to have to hurry. Connect to your Seller Central account and pull all the new orders. Enter the orders with all customer data. Enter all of the Amazon fees and charges. Store them at the item level. Generate profit and loss reports at the SKU level. Automatically generate income statements. Handle multiple companies. Handle multiple brands. Handle multiple currencies. Facilitate budgets and forecasts. Store all customer interactions in a sophisticated CRM system. Manage your supply chain. Project and task management. Maintain an audit log. Hey, you get it. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y dot com. Parsimony dot com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Well, I think that's probably pretty good insight. Uh, one of the things that we see uh, that, I don't know, it's almost a pet peeve of mine is this idea that uh, uh, they've heard that I can, you know, I'll hire somebody from the Philippines or from India, or from Costa Rica, wherever it is. And now my problems are solved, right? Because I've hired somebody and whether or not that person has the appropriate experience or expertise to deploy is a whole nother coat of paint, right? They're, they're, too often, we have it in our mind that, uh, you know, if I hire somebody who says they're a finance expert for five bucks an hour, I expect a world-class CFO. That's a mistake uh, and a common mistake, I, sus- I suspect. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Those people are out there and these are real people. They don't always put go into perfect levels. I mean, I have a, a Filipino bookkeeper who is incredible. I found him three years ago. I would put him against any U.S. bookkeeper. But once I realized he was good, I did everything possible to keep him around. He's not going anywhere. I I put incentives in place so his pay goes up as the business goes up. I'm constantly checking in with him. Could he quit? Of course. But I'm doing everything possible to keep him around. And I think when you do find those high-value deals, when you do find those people, you really need to keep them. And too many entrepreneurs, they fall into that trap where they make bad hire, bad hire, bad hire. They finally find someone they like. So what do they do? They just load them up with everything. And your entire business becomes dependent on that one person, 
which is incredibly risky. So yes, you should take care of that person and make sure that you do everything possible so that person doesn't quit. But you also need to take steps to protect your business and departmentalize as much as possible. Boy, the the functional attributes of a business, you know, are are they're classic. They they're really not going to change that much, even between businesses, right? You're going to have sales and marketing and finance and operations and tech and whatever, uh, and, and then finding those skills uh, to to deploy across those resources is something that can be done. That's the fundamental point of uh, this conversation and this podcast is that there are solutions to all these problems that are out there. And one of the things that I like about Fripp is that you have kind of a, uh, a skill breakdown. Um, can you tell us about some of the top skills that you guys offer? Because I, I thought that was a very interesting, you, you're very precise about kind of the positions and the skills that you offer. Yeah, and keep in mind, there's two ways to hire. The first way is to take things off your plate that you're already doing and get your hours back. And the second is to figure out what your weaknesses are or what you're not doing well or maybe what you're not even doing and hire people to turn those weaknesses into strengths. So we have everything from data entry, customer service, bookkeeping, listing, um, calling Amazon seller support up to graph design and product photography and PPC campaigns and Facebook ads and um, digital marketing experts, um, people who can do product sourcing, whether it's going through a wholesale list or negotiating in China. We have all those people ready to go over a hundred skill sets across e-commerce, marketing, web development. But if we, even if we introduce the top 1% freelancer to you, if you don't know what to do after the fact, and if you don't know what's best for your business, it's only going to do so much good. So we want to educate people so that they hire better and smarter going forward. Yeah, that definitely, definitely resonates with me. I'm sure it does with the awesomer community out there. Uh, as you look at, um, you know, kind of the broad set of, of skills. Are, do you guys add on to those skills regularly? Do you stay within this finite set of skills? How, how do you look at that? Yeah, we're always adding. I mean, we started off as the marketplace just for Amazon. When I started, I was an Amazon seller. I had a Rolodex of Amazon freelancers, easy place to start. And the Amazon people started telling their e-commerce communities. So we're getting Shopify and eBay and Walmart requests. So we start recruiting and then they tell their agency and marketing communities. So we expand to agencies and then we get real estate agents. So we're constantly growing. We're constantly keeping pace of what's going on. I mean, the, the most recent example, I guess a year and a half ago, two years ago, Facebook ads became huge. So we started adding that. And more recently, um, cryptocurrency people, there's been a demand for that. So we've been adding that skill set. So we're always adding, we're always trying to figure out what clients want, um, trying to balance that supply and demand and making sure um, that it's there. And if we don't have what you're looking for, if maybe what you're looking for is incredibly specific, we'll recruit for you free of charge. You're under no obligation to hire people that we get. If you want them, great, you get first dibs. If not, we'll add them to the marketplace and continue to expand the skill set that we have. Well, and let me just say, as a guy who's used, you know, kind of formal recruiting firms over the years, that's an incredible opportunity for entrepreneurs out there. Uh, I've recruited for some top end executive positions where we paid just the recruiter, just the recruiter over $125,000 for a single hire, for one single yeah. hire. Now, I, I'll grant you is the process was a little bit different and probably a little bit more intense, but the idea that you can have free up and the, the team there working for you proactively without obligation, without any big uh, ticket uh, attached to it is really an extraordinary thing. For sure. I mean, we're all there for the client experience. We, we want to create an environment where the clients like the freelancers. It's in our best interest to get them freelancers they like. There's no sign-up fee, no monthly fee, no minimums, no obligation. You can stop using us at any time. And vice versa, if you think of it, 
from the freelancer side, they can go anywhere. There's tons of VA agencies. There's tons of marketplaces. We have to create an environment where they want to be here, where the clients treat them well, where they know that they're protected, and we help them grow their freelance business. So that's on us, and that's what we've been able to do over the past three years. And it's one of the reasons why we love feedback. We love ideas from both sides on how we can make free up even better. Yeah, definitely very smart. So as we look at the, you know, kind of the uh, a standard problem an entrepreneur has uh, is they either don't have enough time to get what they need done, or they're probably not that good at certain things. I, I, all of us have our strengths and weaknesses. I'm a I'm a guy who likes to focus on my strength. Therefore, I hire the stuff that I hate to do, which is almost always my weakness anyway. Uh, do you see other people make, taking that same tactic? Yeah, I, I do the same thing. I, I hire for pretty much anything that's outside my core competency. So years ago, my business partner, Connor, and I, we, we were stepping on each other's toes. Our business, our first business wasn't growing as fast as, we, as it was before. And so we sat on, on the balcony and we did this activity where we just said, you're bad at this. <laughs> and we just told the other person to their face exactly what they weren't good at. And it hurt a little bit. We went right to the core and we tried to keep it business and not personal, but I mean, he told me I was a terrible writer. I told him that he was terrible focusing on short-term and he was all long-term and we just went back and forth. And at the end, we realized we complemented each other very well, which was great. We were great business partners and we could divide and conquer, but we also realized we had this list of all these things that we were both bad at, yet we were doing them every single week. So we had to start hiring to turn those weaknesses into strengths. And I think even if you're a solo entrepreneur, doing that activity and really identifying what you're not good at is going to lead to a lot more productivity down the line when you can stop doing it. Boy, I tell you, it is one of the most freeing things to, to realize that uh, we can give ourselves the freedom to not put ourselves in that kind of uh, almost like a jail cell of uh, task. You know, I, there's a, a number of things that I used to do in when I was first starting out that I thought I just had to keep doing, right? I got to carry the rock up the hill, uh, so to speak. And uh, once I realized, oh, I hate doing this and it's okay for me to hate doing it. And by the way, somebody else loves to do this job. Uh, I have examples of people on my team that they just, they are delighted. Their eyes light up while my eyes glaze over. Th that's the perfect mix for me is finding the people who love to do some of these other jobs and are really great at it. And then that's very satisfying and fulfilling for them. And then I don't have to do the stuff I hate, which is uh, is pretty nice. Do you find that kind of chemistry on teams, your own? Definitely. I mean, when you focus hiring, not just on skill, but on attitude and communication, and you create a culture where ideas are welcome and people feel like they want to be there, they're not forced to be there, and you put people in position where they're doing things they like and you're actually listening to them. And if, if they get to the point where they're doing things you don't like, you adjust and you tweak, that creates an environment where you can grow or people want to be there and where people are attracted to you. Because the last thing that you want to do, and, and I did this back in the day, I was like, please work for me, please work for me, please work for me. And if you go around with that mentality, it becomes very hard to get people to stay and to get people into your business. When you create that internal environment where people want to be there and where you have what everyone wants, then you get to the point like us where we're getting a thousand applicants a week trying to get into our platform. So that change of mentality, that change of focus, starting with the core, that's how it leads to long-term success when hiring and building really incredible teams. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It, it, it's, you know, the, the first part of the problem is, you know, we need to hire and we need to augment our teams to, to be able to do more. That's, that's something that can be addressed very quickly. And, and again, there's good ways to do it. And there's poor ways to do it. But 
beyond that, I, I think the, the idea of retention and how you treat the, the team and how you build the culture as a team is very often overlooked. How do you guys recommend that people manage or, or try to develop that culture with a, an, you know, a team that is far flung and not necessarily in the same office? Yeah. I mean, first you have to identify what your culture is. I mean, my culture might be different than your culture. There are people that run really successful businesses with a, a cutthroat culture. That's a sales culture. Every man for themselves, the people are warm and fr are friendly, but if they hire someone that isn't okay for that culture, it's going to be a disaster and vice versa. If I hire someone that's completely serious and wants nothing to do with interacting is only focused on the job and I put them into my culture, it's very easy to crack your culture. It only takes one person. So you really have to just define what your culture is, define how you talk to people and what establishes that culture, and then work to get similar-minded people, people who want to be in that culture, who want to be in that situation, and grow from there. And there's going to be trial and error. You're going to fail. I mean, hiring is tough. There's no one out there that has a 100% hiring record, especially when you're focused on culture. But down the line, it's a much more long-term investment. To get where you need to be, you're going to have to develop a team. And to get a team where turnover isn't crazy, you have to get a culture that everyone's on the same page with and everyone buys into. Boy, again, I think that's a really, really good point. You know, the, the, the short-term mentality of, I don't like to do whatever, let's just say customer service, I need to hire a customer service person, that leads to that uh, kind of a typical abdication. It's like the first person to respond who says they have customer experience, uh, you know, customer service experience, they get the job, don't call me, I'll call you. That's the opposite of a positive culture, right? That is, um, that you're just setting yourself up to fail, in my opinion. So I, I think, uh, you know, really wise words there about the idea that the long term and the cultural, again, it's kind of like a cultural equity, if you will, that builds up to a positive thing, and it generates its own little gravitational pull towards good people. And it kind of keeps out people who are not compatible. Do you find that over long term, that these cultures can kind of pay dividends? Definitely. I mean, turnover is the most expensive part of business. Having that revolving door, and I had it back in the day. I mean, we had something like 50% turnover with halfway through my first business. And I sat down and I said, we have to change something. We're, we're doing something wrong. Let's find out what, what we did. So I, I had the third consecutive person quit for the same job. This wasn't a freelancer. This was an internal position. And I sat down for them. And I did an exit interview. There was only one type of exit interview, and that's an incredibly uncomfortable one. I mean, he didn't like me. I was mad at him for wasting my time, my money. But I just asked him for feedback. And I should have written him a check right there because the kind of feedback that he gave me saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars down the line. He hit me to the core of what I was like as a leader, as a person, as a manager, what the culture was like, what our hiring process was like. <clears throat> so the point of that is, if you don't know what your culture is or whether you have a good culture or whether people like working with you or people are going to be around long term or what you're doing wrong, go right to the people and just ask them for feedback and create an atmosphere where they're share with you. I mean, I have people that have work, been working with me for seven years that they'll tell me when I'm doing something wrong and I want to know that. And that doesn't mean that I can make everyone happy at all times. It just gives me information to improve myself and my business going forward. And when people see that you're making those changes and you continue to make the business better and better and better, they stick around. Boy, again, you know, having a dialogue, having a conversation and, and just the, the idea that uh, we, we use a, a, a system called strengths-based leadership uh, in most of the companies I deal with. 
And this allows us, it, it identifies our strengths using a, a scientific background. Uh, we'll have another episode kind of that dives into that, uh, the science behind uh, strengths-based leadership uh, in the future. But, you know, each of us come up with these kind of five uh, strengths, but every strength has a dark side to it, right? And, and so um, ideation happens to be one of my strengths, but any of the, any of the people who work for me or, or my partners know that sometimes if ideation runs amok, they got to they got to pull me back into check. And and by having this vocabulary, they can say, "Hey, Steve, yeah, we get it. You got a lot of ideas. Let's let's just kind of focus on the the two or three that we've already agreed to." That kind of vocabulary and dialogue can be very constructive inside of an organization at every level, in my opinion. Catalyst eighty eight was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long term goals in e commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, there gets to the point where, I mean, I've had clients who are saying, hey, I've never worked with someone in the Philippines before. Or, hey, I've never hired a freelancer before. And well, what should I do? And my advice is, Talk to them. Tell them that. Be transparent. Be honest. Ask for feedback. Ask how they how they work with other clients. That those are the conversations that lead to productivity and long term relationships. <laughs> the funny part is, you know, this idea that we can just talk it through and just be open uh, sounds like it's foreign. Like we have to do some kind of dance. But really, the simplest things are just getting everything out on the table, talking about the challenges, talking about our perceptions, whether they're right or wrong. They're still perceived. And they got to be dealt with. Uh, I think that's really good advice. And and particularly as you're trying to define, if you already have a team, you need to define how the culture is already set up. And the only way to do that is to ask the people. And I, I've gone through this process with you know fairly large companies that I've had with hundreds of employees where we didn't really understand um, you know the cultural piece of the puzzle at that time. And we found you know the positive parts of the culture that we wanted to hang our hat on. And we found some negative parts of the culture that were kind of side effects, unintended consequences of some of the things we were trying to achieve. And we had to figure out how to, you know, focus on those positives and, and either nullify, eliminate, or at least reduce the, the negatives. There are some aspects uh, of running a business that can't go away and could sometimes be perceived as negative. Uh, some people don't want to be accountable. Uh, maybe that's not a cultural fit, but... Uh, you know, we have to measure stuff in a business. We have to get performance. We have to get results. So we do have to measure things at the end of the day. And ultimately, if people don't want to be measured, they should go work in academia or some other uh, <laughs> environment. Oh, not to, not to talk about teachers, but. Uh <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's one of the things that I try to avoid. I, I try to avoid people that um, bring drama in <laughs> or people that take things personally, because I'm going to be brutally honest with people. If I think you're doing a terrible job, I'm going to tell you, and I might not sugarcoat it. And I need someone where that motivates them. They, they like, okay, that's great feedback. Let's improve. I, I can't work with people that, oh my, that think, oh my God, he hates me. You know, those are, those are the kind of people that I don't work with. So, I mean, knowing yourself and knowing the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with is incredibly important. Uh, boy, again, th th that's something that people should pay particular attention to. When you know yourself, when you kind of know your own, even, um, I don't, I don't want to say mood, but it just, just your own demeanor, right? If you happen to be a, a very matter-of-fact, straight-to-the-point kind of person, 
that's, that doesn't always work with everybody, right? And there's some people who literally will have their feelings hurt the first day and then just stew in the corner uh, thinking about ways they can get back at you. That's not a great fit. Uh, for a lot of organizations, mine included. So uh, I, I just can't stress the the idea that you know understanding culture, understanding yourself is a is a big prerequisite to getting all this to go right. Absolutely. So when you when people hire, uh, so almost I would assume that everybody in your organization is a an external kind of gig type of hire, not not a formalized employee in house. Is that correct? Correct. So, I mean, the non-U.S. freelancers, you can hire for more long-term stuff. I mean, we have clients that hire six Filipino customer service reps, and and you have had the same people for three years. Now, the U.S. people, they're more on the gigs. I mean, you can hire a marketing expert and use them every month or hire a graphic designer and use them for projects or two. Um, but, and we, you can also buy them out and make them an employee if that's something that you want to do, if you want them exclusive, if you want them full-time. So, um, that's really how it works. But I mean, we have clients that use people for one-time projects or different projects or, or ongoing work. It's really up to you how you want to use them. Um, but everything's remote. Well, that flexibility really, again, deserves to be emphasized. So th- this concept that, you know, gosh, I need a, a really great marketing person, but my budget doesn't allow me to to put that marketing person 40 hours a week, but I can go to free up and say, hey, how about 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week, whatever it is. And then, by the way, that leaves me enough money to go and say, hey, what about this other uh, type of expert that I need? I don't even know a, a bit, what did you say, a cryptocurrency expert yeah. you have now? Yep. What, what, is, yeah. what does that position even do? do they just uh, farm money? for? I, I don't even get it. Yeah, a lot of it is the article writing and and weighing in on different expertise when it comes to that or, or some form of marketing off of that. Um, yeah. I mean, we live in a pretty amazing time. The gig economy has made it. So you don't have to hire an expert for full time, $150,000 a year plus benefits and add them into your office. I mean, you can hire someone for a one hour consultation. You can hire a graphic designer to make three images for you or a content writer to write a blog post a week. It's, it's a pretty incredible time. It's an $800 billion industry. Um, and it's only getting bigger and bigger. I mean, over the next 10 years, over 50% of the workforce is going to be remote, 50%. So if you're not taking advantage of the gig economy and the freelancers out there, you're really missing out. Well, I, again, um, you know, in my 30 years of business, there's times where we look back and go, ah, gosh, do you remember the salad days of the, the, you know, the late 80s or early 90s or this or that? You know, everybody kind of looks back and in uh, the rear view mirror and goes, oh, wasn't it great then? But I'll tell you, the salad days are right now in front of us when it comes to gig economy. The, the flexibility, the consistency that you can, you know, kind of scale with, th- this is something that we could not do 5, 10, 20 years ago, maybe 5, but, uh, you know, 20 years ago, forget about it. It was just not possible. Uh, e- even as I tried to set up, uh, at one point, I had a Philippine call center uh, or BPO center for business process outsourcing where we ran a 24-hour operation, over 100 people, and it was extraordinarily difficult just to get an internet connection to them, just to, to do the VOIP phones to them. Today, it's everybody's got Skype or WhatsApp or this or that. I mean, it's built into our phone, world-class technology. So it really, today uh, are the salad days for the gig economy, for sure. I to- totally agree with you. But where do you see things going? Let, let's talk about the future a little bit. You, you mentioned it's going to grow, but is it going to become more complex? Is it going to become more regulated? What do you see in the future? 
Yeah, I don't know. It's tough for me to predict the future. I see corporations becoming more and more into this remote climate, not just on freelancers, but employees too. I mean, what is the point of going to work anymore? It makes people miserable. It costs more. It's more overhead. Um, I would even argue that it's less productive. And I think that corporations are going to start figuring this out. Why are we spending all this money in office space? Why are we having to pay people extra to uh, essentially pay for gas money and different expenses that come with having to go to work when I can maybe pay them slightly less, but they get the perks of the freedom and the flexibility and working from home. If I'm a corporation, I'm signing up for that every single time. So that's really where I see it going. In terms of regulation, everything else, it's tough to predict. It's always something that we monitor. But I mean, the gig economy isn't going anywhere. It's here to stay. The, the, even the Ubers of the world, I mean, they're not going anywhere. We're not going back to taxis. It's only going to progress forward. Boy, that's a really apt analogy. You know, the, the um, you know, Uber, um, you know, ride share, so to speak, or the uh, you know, Airbnb, you know, whatever it is, home share, this idea that we're just taking existing assets and leveraging them across, you know, multiple users, that's the same thing as the gig economy, right? Uh, maybe I can't afford to have the, the front end developer who's, uh, you know, amazing uh, 40 hours a week, or maybe I need 10 of them, I can only afford, you know, half time for half of them or whatever. It's just a very interesting way to be able to expand a business without putting undue overhead and undue burdens on on an entrepreneur and on a small business that's trying to to, to do something important. Uh, so, when when you think about this idea that you know people have this problem, they need help. You have a unique solution where you're you've kind of eliminated a lot of the barriers, right? Some of the barriers include things you've talked about, like the cost of training. Nobody, I, well, let me say this differently. Almost nobody really does the math on how much hiring somebody and then losing that somebody, you know, six months, 12 months in, how much that costs a company. I know big companies have done this math and it's extraordinarily expensive, right? Tens of thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands over the course of a year if you have a lot of employees that you're, you're going through the churn. So you guys help that by having people that are on demand available and then on-demand replaceable. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I mean, keep in mind that the training is only for those basic level freelancers that we talked about before. The mid and the expert level people, there might be a little bit of onboarding, but for the most part, they're coming to you with an expertise. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're there to cover replacement costs. If someone quits halfway through a dev project, we're gonna get someone else and cover whatever it costs to get them up to speed so that you're made whole again. If you do hire a customer service rep in the Philippines and you train them for two weeks and they quit on you in six months, we're going to cover the first two weeks of the next person. So you're always covered if you use free up. That's amazing. Uh, really, really is good. Um, so I did have, that, that struck me as, as a question as you were talking there. Um, let me just see if I, boy, my train of thought has left the station. So I'll try to come back to it, but the, you know, it's, it's so striking that this idea that you're able to, you know, kind of, cooperate with the entrepreneur and and help them i just i like this idea that we can just pick up the phone you guys go and handle the recruiting if you don't already have somebody uh in the bag for you and you are able to deploy them oh th this is the question uh, a lot of the guys that i deal with we all are talking about documentation and systems and things like that but not everybody has those together so maybe those entry-level resources aren't there can they hire one of your higher tier resources to help put that documentation and, and put those types of things into play? Definitely, 100%. We've got lots of clients that do that. And once you get really good at hiring, like I would consider myself up there, I have my VAs actually create the documents in real time. So 
Right now, I'm training three new assistants. They're in the Philippines. And as they're reading the old documents and learning, they're updating the documents. So they're keeping them up to speed by writing. It's going to help them to learn it better. And then once they're added, their job is to keep those things updated at all times. I mean, we're both running startups. So when you um, when you have a startup, things are changing. They're constantly moving. Your systems and processes get better and better and better. And you don't want to put yourself in a situation where someone quits and your documents are, are six months old. Boy, again, uh, you know, this is not a static situation we live in, in uh, the business world and the entrepreneurial world. Uh, you cannot expect to make documents one time and have it done. It is a live, a breathing document. And if you don't have a team that has access to make those changes as they go, I think you're definitely missing opportunity. The way that Nate just described, you know, kind of ongoing day-to-day -day, uh, contributions as they're needed from the team, and uh, it is really, really Im important. So not only can we find somebody to maintain those on an ongoing basis, but through FreeUp we can find people who will give us the opportunity to actually architect and, and develop those systems for us. Yeah, and we're excited to, to bring it to your community. I mean, we've helped a lot of business communities out there. Um, we love doing that. I mean, that's what I'm passionate about. I always say when the client's happy and the freelancer's happy, then we're happy. And we try to put everyone in position to make that possible. I love it. Uh, well, listen, uh, Nate, this has been very informative to me. I'm, I'm uh, extra excited. In fact, I think I'm going to uh, task a couple of my people to go see if we can uh, shop for a couple more more team members that we need through FreeUp, and uh, hopefully you can help us. Uh, do you have any podcast experts? <laughs> we'll need we one do. of those. We, we work with a lot of podcast hosts that use our freelancers to produce. Good. We'll need a couple of those guys, and then we'll probably need a couple of financial guys too. So uh, we'll be looking at your uh, stuff. And again, for the awesomers out there, let's not uh, forget. We'll we'll uh, put some show notes and things uh, on how to get in touch with Nate and and kind of investigate his services. But uh, it's been really informative. Any, any final words of wisdom for the audience out there? Um, just diversify, protect yourself, departmentalize. I mean, my calendar is right at the top of freeup.com with three E's. If you're unsure about what to do, book a free meeting with me. I'd love to talk to you about your business and how I can help. Yeah, what a great opportunity to speak with Nate himself. Uh, and, and as I recall, your CMO also has that offer. Uh, so he can, they can speak with one or the other of you guys. Is that right? Yep. And if you mention this podcast and sign up, you get a free $25 credit to try us out. So there you very, go. very little risk. We're trying to put you in position to succeed and have a great experience. Just like free money right there, everybody. Okay. We'll be right back after this, but thanks again, Nate, for joining us. And uh, we really appreciate what you're doing to help entrepreneurs and awesomers around the world. Thank you. And we'll be right back. Empower. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do. Because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Gosh, what? just think about this idea that we talked about, Nate and I, this concept that you know, if you're looking for somebody and they need to have a certain set of skills, they will help go out and recruit them for you, help find them, and help do all the, the legwork, which is such a pain. Anybody who has ever tried to hire people, especially if you're scaling an organization very quickly, hiring is one of the biggest bottlenecks a, a business owner can face. And to be able to have somebody on your team that really you don't have to pay them unless you use their resource, what a great deal, right? And you always know what you're gonna pay. The transparency 
of this type of service is really helpful and, and in many ways unprecedented because you can get a variety of talent. So I'm super excited. Don't forget to go to awesomers.com slash 29 uh, to find the show notes and the links to get you some special deals. As always, I don't participate in any sort of affiliate or other kind of promotional uh, deals, at least uh, for the first six months. I'm not doing any of that. All of my time, every episode is 100% dedicated to helping expand the e-commerce cooperative, which is known as Empowery, the Empowery e-commerce cooperative. And all proceeds, any, any little deals are special uh, for Empowery members who get even more than a, a typical customer. And any little uh, Scooby snacks that are a result of that promotion go to that member-owned nonprofit cooperative. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again. Awesomers.com.